Welcome to Women in the Arena podcast, the podcast celebrating women doing extraordinary things in plain sight. I'm your host, Audra Egan, and our mission is to elevate the value, strength, and resilience each woman brings to the world. Without further delay, let's go ahead and start the show. Welcome in, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is Audra, your host of Women in the Arena podcast, where we celebrate women doing extraordinary things in plain sight. The last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how we actively support each other. For the next two weeks, I'm going to challenge you a little bit. The conversations are going to get a little bit harder. I'm going to talk about how we continue to actively support each other, even when we disagree. Even when we're on opposite sides of an issue, we still take that as an opportunity to hear each other, learn from each other, and support each other. Please know as you hear these conversations that in spite of our differences, we are way more similar than we actually are different. And I can't wait to get started. So let's start the show. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you so much for joining me today. I have two very special, interesting ladies joining me today. I'm very excited to talk to them, and I'm excited for you to hear from them. Joining me today is Sarah Stewart-Holland and Beth Silvers. They are the co-hosts of both Pantsuit Politics and the Nuanced Life podcast. They are also the co-authors of I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening, a guide to grace-filled political conversations. Please help me welcome both Sarah and Beth. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me today and welcome to the show. Thank, thank you. you for having us. I have so many questions. I have so many things that I want to talk to you about today. However, before we jump into that, uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourselves? Um, Sarah, we'll start with you. My name is Sarah Stewart Holland. Um, I live in my hometown of Paducah, Kentucky with my husband and three boys. Um, I'm really a political rat of the um, purest, uh, in the purest sense of the word. I've always loved politics. I was a political science major. I went to law school in Washington, D.C., worked for Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign in 2007 and on the United States um, and the United States Senate for Senator Bob Menendez before I moved back to my hometown and started a family and thought, um, I got to find something else to do. Obviously, I can't work for a United States Senator in Paducah, Kentucky. So I started a parenting blog where I would occasionally talk about politics. And by happy accident, Beth was having kids around the same time and we reconnected over birth. We had been sorority sisters and um, she guest posted on my on my mommy blog. And then I said, would you ever be interested in starting a podcast? And she said, what's a podcast? But luckily, we're both <laughs> learners. So we learned together. And um, that was the beginning of Pantsy Politics five years ago. And since then, we've um, started another podcast together called The Nuanced Life. We've written a book called I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening, A Guide to Graceville Political Conversations, and uh, learned about a lot about ourselves, a lot about each other, and a lot about um, this beautiful country we all live in together. Thank you. And, and Beth, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? 
Sure. I'm Beth Silvers. I grew up in Western Kentucky on a dairy farm. I went off to college in Lexington where I met Sarah. From there, I took a job out of law school at uh, Taft, Titanius and Hollister, a kind of Midwestern regional law firm. I practiced for six years. I didn't like it at all and talked to the firm about that and eventually became the chief human resources officer of the firm. I was in some kind of HR position for about five years before we started podcasting full time. I never imagined doing something where I talked about politics all the time, but I have always loved news from the second that cable news was a thing. It was on in my home growing up. My parents read the paper cover to cover every single day. We watched the nightly news. And so I have always been somebody who tracks as closely as I can with what's going on. And I'm so grateful that I have the chance to do that professionally now. And I am grateful for not only you doing these difficult conversations, but joining me today so we can continue that conversation. Uh, For the month of October, I've been talking with my audience about the importance of supporting each other and lifting each other up. And we've been building upon that idea. Today, having you two ladies here with me today is really important because you haven't always been on the same side of the political spectrum. Uh, Even today, You're not on the same side of political views. However, you still have a way to hear each other out and make your relationship be about so much more than how you feel about a political view. So walk us through. Tell us how you have been able to manage talking about these difficult subjects, but still giving each other room to express yourselves without any sort of of a negative opinion of each other. Well, I would say from the beginning that we really prioritized the relationship. We wanted to have conversations we didn't see anywhere else. Um, what you see on cable news is really debate, not conversation. Um, we didn't want to just parrot partisan talking points. We wanted to really learn about ourselves and about each other. And so we prioritized that relationship. We were talking to each other, not members of our own party that we wanted to agree with us. And over time, you know, we really worked on each other to the point um, where Bethy has recently changed her party identification. And I think not because I debated and convinced her, Um, But because when you spend hours a week articulating your values and you learn so much about yourself and when you spend so much time engaged in our current um, political environment, which has changed dramatically over the last five years, um, you just there's no way not to be changed by each other. I truly believe that, you know, I think that there's no way to engage and prioritize relationship and be sort of engaged in your community and not be changed. Um, because there is so much complexity, there is so much nuance, and we are all in need of so much grace that those work on you over time. It's sort of like a drip, 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 right? And that can even, that the the way water can even, you know, work its way through a mountain over time. And I think that that's the power of human relationship, and that's the power of showing up with authenticity and vulnerability. You know, I was much more uh, like, partisan talking point kind of girl. I think when we started this podcast, like my self-righteous quotient was way, way, way high. And I learned that that just doesn't get you anywhere. It just doesn't, you know, you don't learn anything about yourself. You don't learn anything about the other person. You usually just make people defensive. And I think the way I've engaged with politics has just completely and totally shifted over time um, from having these conversations with Beth. Like um, I give grace a lot 
more easily than I used to. It's still hard, especially when you're not receiving it from the other party. But um, I've, in my experience, it's it's always worth it. Yeah, I would agree because we have forgotten the beauty and the art of agree to disagree. There's power in that. There's growth in that. And we have forgotten to do that. And you just explained it perfectly about giving each other space and grace to hear the other point of view and how it's changed you. And I think that somewhere along the way, we became this weird divided us against them. And it doesn't need to be that way. It, it needs to be us and them. And it, you do it through conversation. Uh, Beth, how do you feel it's changed you doing this podcast? I think the most remarkable thing for me about the podcast is that I have this opportunity to work on myself in the conversations with Sarah twice a week. And then to hear from people all over the country chiming in to like pull up a chair and be part of that discussion. And so it's really allowed me to get out of just the limitations of my own experiences. Sarah and I have a lot in common in our backgrounds. We do have different perspectives, especially on what the role of the federal government is. And so talking with her, I get that little bit of challenge. It helps me clarify what I think. It helps me articulate what I think more clearly. Um, sometimes it changes my mind. But then I get to hear from people all over the country whose life experiences are nothing like mine. People who came to the country as immigrants, people who have lived through poverty, um, people of different races and religions who've had completely different life experiences because of those factors. And slowly, it's helped me understand that I don't need to be certain about everything. And I don't need to be self-righteous about anything because there is a good faith perspective that is almost diametrically opposed to mine on most issues. And it's really helpful to remember that. Now, there are some things that Sarah and I don't make any room around. We do not want anyone's dignity to be undermined through our podcast. And so we are not out to say, like, let me sit down with white supremacists and really kind of feel out their position. We're talking about in the realm of tax policy and how do we best deal with the healthcare crisis. And how can we most effectively end homelessness? And I think that's an important call out because our conversations, we don't ever want people to hear us and think, well, of course, two privileged white ladies can flesh this stuff out and it'd be a really interesting intellectual exercise. We want to have lots of respect for the real stakes attached to our politics. And honestly, that's what has changed me most about doing this work is, is having that learning take place in public so that lots of people share their experiences with me and work on me through my conversations with Sarah. That said, when you saying that you did this in public, having this education and this evolution and these these conversations, I'm sure not all of them have been easy, but to do it in public, what do you think the effect has been uh, on other people, on the audience? Have you gotten feedback from them that said, you know, watching your conversations has helped shaped me? Um, yeah, I mean, our community is amazing. And the feedback that we consistently get is I feel less alone. I feel empowered to talk about these things. I feel empowered to interact with politics for the first time. I We have listeners who have voted for the first time, who've run for office. Um, you know, one of the guiding lights is that for our podcast, which primarily serves a female audience, is that women are taught never to make people uncomfortable. 
um, never to engage in conflict. And politics, for better or for worse, is a very conflict-ridden arena. And that's okay. Discomfort and conflict are okay. I actually don't love the term agree to disagree because to me what it says is we're done talking. We've just reached an impasse and we can't go any further. And I don't think that's what we do. And I I, th- I think the way that's that phrase is used as a weapon often shuts women's voices down. I'm not saying that's what you were doing, but I've had that phrase kind of used against me. And what I really want women to be able to do is to say, like, I can stand in this space and be uncomfortable. I can stand in this space and not be an expert on anything. And that's okay. I'm a citizen. So I deserve to be heard. I deserve to share my perspective. Um, My perspective is needed. We need people who aren't experts, but who have lived experiences. We need people who are peacemakers, who don't want everything to become a battle royale. Um, We need people who don't think politics is the end all be all and have a a wider perspective about um, the role politics should play in our lives. Like, I just think we need all that and we particularly need women in this space. And so what we try to do and what we hear from our listeners is just empower them to be in the space at all, um, to participate, to read the news, to talk about the news, um, to have conversations about policy. So. I think that we've done that. I, th- I think that, you know, we make space for um, everybody's big feelings around politics because we all have a ton of them. And um, I mean, I think it's definitely the feedback we get from our listeners. How would you guide us? Because I, I think that it's important to have these tough conversations out loud and with your friends and your loved ones. How would you guide individuals that you I, I, like? Look, I have friends that have different political views than I do. And it's never occurred to me to pass judgment on them just because they had a difference of opinion than I do. But that's not always easy for everybody. How would you guide our audience on approaching these conversations, knowing that they might be a little uncomfortable, but they're important to have? Well, the first thing we always start with is they are important to have. And we need to have them and we don't need to be experts to have them. And it's okay to get things wrong. We don't need to say everything we possibly know or could ever want to say in one single conversation. It's a long game. It's a piece of a relationship. The point is that we want to keep talking. And as those moments of discomfort arise, we often counsel people to just notice them and and say them. My therapist uses this great phrase of annotating a relationship hi, we aren't fighting about the dishwasher right now. We're fighting about respect. Um, and so in political conversation, it helps too to sometimes just say, oh, this is getting really tense. And I don't intend to bring tension into the room, but I do think this is important. And I do feel strongly about it. And I know you do too. So I want you to know I respect you, even as you probably can feel me getting heated. Or, hey, I've gotten too heated. I need to walk away. Or I need us to talk about something else. We can come back to this. I still care about you at the end of it, right? And so the more that we can make sure that we're both having the conversation and having a separate conversation about the conversation, the better we can make our way through this and realize at the end of it, we're, we're okay. We made it. We survived. The relationship can survive. We can do it again. And we just keep practicing and practicing and conversations get better over time. We just had an episode on our podcast where we each brought on someone that we talk about a, a controversial issue with Sarah and her friend Elizabeth talked about abortion. My friend Eric and I talked about gun rights. We really strongly disagree with our two friends about these subjects. And we've been having these conversations unfold over a long period of time. So we've all gotten better in the process. And that doesn't mean that we ever have an end point where we agree. But I think we are made better by continuing to practice those disagreements. 
That's a really interesting point of view of practicing disagreements. And that as I as you were speaking, I was thinking about the comment that Sarah had made is that the phrase of agree to disagree, you're right, that could be used as a weapon. But how can we practice disagreements and not have it come off as as a weapon? How can we how can we position ourselves better in that space? I mean, I think there's no calculus that we can give you that will assure an outcome. It is an inherently risky proposition. It will involve discomfort and hurt feelings. You will be a misunderstood. Other people, you will misunderstand. Um, and I don't want to assure people of any other outcomes because that's what happens when you engage with other human beings about um, intense topics and politics is intense. Um, so I think what's important when we say grace is that to know it's risky, those things will happen, but give yourself grace that you're still um, worthy to be engaged in the conversation and give the other person grace Um the same grace, right? It's to just be gentle with each other and to be gentle, particularly with yourself as you go out and engage this way. Not that you'll always get it perfect. Not that you'll always say the right thing. Sometimes you will get angry. Um, and sometimes the other pe- person will feel attacked. Um, that's that's um, just part of the risk we take on when we engage with other people in this way, because it's a long game, right? It's not one conversation that we're going to do perfectly and then be done. Um, it's a relationship that we're going to prioritize and talking about our values and our priorities um, and our politics is part of being in relationship with one another, particularly being in community with one another. And when we do that, um, it involves some risk. And so I, I would say it's more important to understand that risk and to give yourself grace as you inevitably stumble in this pursuit. Yeah, because none of this is easy. But as I had started the conversation is that it's important for us to support each other. And I do believe that another form of supporting each other is to give each other grace and hear each other out. Because ultimately, if you don't, that's that is a negative reflection on I'm no longer supporting you because I'm no longer listening. I no longer hear what you have to say. And that will that could possibly decrease the importance of that relationship in your life. And that's the opposite of what we're attempting to do. So let me shift to how do you proactively assist and uplift specifically other women, and may not necessarily be surrounded around getting comfortable and speaking about politics, but how do you pour into other women that that belief, that positivity, that we're behind you? I think that can take a lot of different forms. I think there is a form of support that looks like vigorous disagreement, because when you disagree with someone, you're also communicating, I trust you enough to be honest with you. I care about you enough to say something that I know is going to be received in a way that's hard. And that is a testament to the strength of a relationship when you're able to show up honestly as your full self and say, I think you're wrong about this. This is important to me. And I find the way that you're talking about it hurtful. So I think we shouldn't always equate support with cheerleading because sometimes support looks like saying the really hard thing. I also think support can look like having a passionate disagreement, but recognizing where that agreement, that disagreement comes from something really positive about the other person. So Sarah always says that the two of us are very complementary to each other because we have such different styles. 
And sometimes that can feel like tension in the course of a conversation. But I always try to remember when Sarah gets really passionate about something, when she brings her sort of righteous fury to the conversation, that's a strength and a gift that she has. And as her friend, I want to uplift that strength, not shrink away from it. And I think my sort of patience with perspectives sometimes can come across as equivocation or being wishy-washy or just being obstinate. And I think Sarah's really good at remembering that that's also a strength that I have. And support for me looks like um, rallying around that strength of mine and seeing it as such. So there are lots of ways that we can support each other without constantly saying, you are 100% right about everything. I I agree. I agree with that. Um, Sarah, I'm interested in hearing your perspective as well on the same same idea. I mean, I think the best way to empower women's voices is to center women's voices. Um, we are talking to one another, but we are sharing our voices with the public for a reason, because there aren't a lot of spaces that center women's voices in politics. There are um, a fair amount of women in politics, not enough. Um, even there are a fair, a lot of, a fair amount of women in political podcasts, but often they're journalists and often they're just interviewing. And that's not what we do. We come on and we share what we think, um, how we process. We admit when we don't know, we admit when we're, um, not the expert in the field. And I just think there is true power. It's consciousness raising in the purest sense of the word. You are not alone. We're fearful about this. We're anxiety ridden about this. We don't know a lot about this either. We're trying to learn please join us. We want to hear from you. And we really center our our listeners' voices as well. Um, in the beginning of the show, we would do a whole show every week. Um, then the news cycle became what the news cycle currently is. But we still really try to include our listeners' voices. We share their emails and their feedback in our, in our weekly newsletter um, because we learn so much from them and in hearing from them, men and women, but particularly women, um, enter this space and find their own voices Um, is not just good for us. It's good for everybody else to hear as well. I think that, um, you know, stepping forth and sharing your perspective is empowering. And it's not just from the people we get feedback from either. It's, you know, the thousands of people who listen and never send us an email or a message on social media um, that they hear two females talking about politics, talking about their perspective, centering their priorities in a space that's usually male-dominated. Isn't that strange that it would be odd that two women should have interesting, thoughtful conversation about politics, which happens to be permeating everything we do right now? And isn't it interesting that it's it's an anomaly and it should be normalized? Wouldn't you agree? For sure. I mean, there are lots of things about our conversations that I would love to be normalized, that it's two women, that we aren't afraid to bring emotion to the table and we don't see emotion as weakness. Sarah cries a lot when we talk. And I think that's been a really powerful example to women that you can absolutely be professional and intellectually driven and still bring your emotion. And it's a strength, not a weakness. Um, the, The commitment to not just talking past each other with our talking points, like I would love for there to be more examples of all of that out there. Yeah, absolutely. And what I think is is important is that you are by you mentioning that Sarah, you know, cries on the show. I, I think that that allows us to normalize that, and we don't have to have that feedback of you can't show emotions that shows weakness. And I disagree because I think that emotions is a tremendous strength that women have because it's that it's that feeling when you walk in the room and you know something might be off or what have you that comes from your 
emotional intelligence. And I think that that should be celebrated. Um, What other things would you like to see evolve from your platform? I hope I don't ever fully see what evolves from our platform. I hope that the ripple effects of women finding their place inside politics is something that um, reaches far, far beyond us um, and in ways that we never understand or even learn about. You know, I think that women participating in politics, um, people participating in politics with grace and understanding is the true work of citizenship. And so I just hope that in, you know, 10 years from now that we have a democracy where people don't wring their hands about polarization and that we have a Congress that passes legislation and that Beth and I can look back and say, I hope I hope we played a small part in that. Yeah, I think we both struggled with that question because it is really important to us to do this work with humility. And we get a, a giant dose of humility every week when we go through our listener email. Um, I am astonished and amazed and so proud of the women who email us to say, my super conservative family is talking to me about the fact that I put a Biden-Harris filter on my Facebook profile picture. Mm-hmm. And I am astonished and amazed and excited about women who are serving in legislatures across the country who say, I listen to your podcast every week and it inspires me and it affects the way that I talk to my colleagues on the other side of the aisle. And women who are voting for the first time, people who are running for office, um, the men who reach out to us to say, I never get to hear two women speak without a man interrupting them. And it's really affected my relationships with women at home and in the workplace. You know, there are there are just when you make any offering to the world, and I would say this to encourage your audience too, Audra, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen with it. And that's the wonderful thing about it. I don't sit down with Sarah and think, here's what we're driving toward. I just sit down with Sarah thinking, I want to put something good in kind of the river of our country's experience and it'll get diluted in some places and bad stuff will overcome it in other places. And then it'll get magnified in ways I never could have imagined in other places. And so I think we just have to kind of make it and then release it. Yes, because you never you never know what's going to come back to you. I I have discovered that is that things that have been communicated to me, I would never have imagined for myself. And it's it's truly a humbling experience to be on this side of the microphone and knowing that you're putting something out in the world that is doing some good. And I think that you do a tremendous job at this. And it, it's comforting and encouraging to hear that you are you're helping women find their voices and voting for the first time and being brave enough to have these hard discussions because not only is it about politics, but you're helping to encourage them to have hard discussions about other topics. And I think that that is an, that is an important part of what you do. Um, you know, we are getting dangerously close to election day and whatever the outcome, there's going to be some tough, tough conversations the day after, if indeed we know what the outcome is on the day after, but let's let's pretend for a moment that we do. How do we have those conversations when everybody's emotions are going to be so high? How do we help each other through that? Well, I think it's good to start by just acknowledging that emotions are going to be high and being really honest about our own emotional state. Um, I said on our last podcast, I'm coming in a little hot right now. 
I just am a little stressed. I'm a little tense. The stakes are feeling high. And so naming that um, helps a lot. And I also think that there is more on the line in this election than just the outcome of each particular race, which I also believe is exceptionally important. But I think in this election, when we have had um, reports for four years about foreign election interference, when we've had a pandemic that has changed the way we vote in lots of places and we have all kinds of um, stories and some rumors and some legitimate concerns about how people are voting, whether they've been given equal access to the ballot, that it's important to frame up a lot of our conversations with the understanding that we are participants in a democracy and democracies are um, as fragile as they are powerful. And so when we speak about all of these issues, we are also adding to the dialogue about whether we believe our election was legitimate, whether we will support the outcome, whether we will have that peaceful transition of power. Um, So just kind of trying, even though it's super hard and we don't always get it right, I don't always get it right, but just trying to zoom out and take that broader perspective too of like, we're living through a, a real important moment in history. And so how do I want to, how do I want to make a contribution to that important moment in history? And and speaking of that, just going a little bit further on that, what do you hope that the contribution is into history in this regard? I mean, this is a big, big time during, I don't know that I've ever had an experience like this as far as an election is concerned. What do you hope that the contributions come out from this? I mean, I think for me and our own audience, what I'm seeing is thousands and thousands of women um, re-evaluating their um, positions specifically on abortion and why I'm going to take about talk about this specific issue, um, because we're stuck, um, because it's a caricature of a conversation. And we haven't had any movement in my lifetime on this very intense issue. And I feel like um, this election is is calling so many people to reevaluate their political position um, on reproductive rights. Now, that's important to me, not only because I'm pro-choice, but because I just think this because the the stuckness of that particular issue um, was, I think, really tainting our politics on all the issues. And you know, when, because it became a thing where I can't see you as a full, I can't see you as a real person. I can't see you as a moral actor if you would disagree with me on this issue. Um, and we can't have a democracy if we can't see people, see each other as moral actors that want to move our country in a better direction. Um, and so what I hope from this election, because of, I think, um, COVID and the the convergence of COVID in this election is shaking things loose in a lot of ways, but in particular this issue, I hope that we um, can have real grace-filled conversations. For the first time in my lifetime about this issue, I see that happening and that it will stop controlling our politics in a way that polarization is really the only outcome. Ladies, I want to thank you both for the thoughtful discussion that you've had with me today. I do think that it is important to continue to have grace-filled, difficult conversations about all kinds of things. Uh, that is an opportunity and a and a form of supporting each other and giving each other space to be be ourselves and learn something from each other. And before I let you go, uh, 
Beth had mentioned some things about Sarah previously about the things that are your strengths and things that you admire about her. Um, Sarah, I'd like to ask the same thing of you on for Beth. Uh, what are the strengths that you see with her, the uniqueness of her that helps make you better? Wait, I'm I confused. Are you asking me to talk about Beth's strengths? Oh, because Beth well, talked about Beth, mine. Yes. Yeah. Well, you phrased yes, it, I was yes, like, yes. wait, is she asking Beth or me? Okay, got yeah. it. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, I want to say that nobody, me and no one in our audience would ever describe Beth as obstinate. I think she was being um, overly humble. Um, <laughs> she's not obstinate ever. Um, I think that, you know, when I said I've learned that, you know, self-righteousness is my favorite emotion, but it is least effective. I learned that from Beth. I mean, I think that watching the way in which um, she is a soft place to land for so many people and and, and gives, pe- gives people that place in almost every conversation, including almost every conversation with me. I mean, I, you know, I will I will go off and she will say she always starts with. I agree with you. (laughs) And also this, like she just, she has this real way of disarming people. And, um, I think that she is, is listening to a depth that is, um, really hard to describe. And I think that's what our listeners learn from her is how to listen deeply and how to, um, to, to make people feel safe, even when you disagree with them to know that you are still reaching out to connect with them. Um, and you can do that even in a space of disagreement. I think like her example in that particular realm is, is really, it's unmatched, unmatched. That is, that is amazing characteristics to have in any individual, but to have that person as your friend, I think is pretty special. Uh, before I let you ladies go, just one final statement to the audience to help encourage them through this difficult time and to help each other keep pressing forward. I just think you matter. You have a place here. You belong in this. This difficult time won't be less difficult if we all sit around waiting for someone else to make it so. Um, you don't have to carry the weight of your of the world on your shoulders. And you also have to show up and do your work and make your contribution based on what you have to offer. And what you have to offer is important and it's enough and it's valuable. And so just don't give up because we're all creating this country together. I think voting is a beautiful, creative act. We show up and we say, this is what I want this country to look like. And it's just like we have a shared canvas that we're all painting on together. And so um, show up and, and make your mark in this election and future ones and also in the work that you do every day. And Sarah, a um, uh, thought from you as well. Oh, I don't know if I can add to that. Just that you're needed. Um, exactly what Beth said is you're needed in the conversation. You're needed in the discussion. Um, you don't have to be an expert. Being a citizen is enough. Um, no one is happy with the state of our politics right now. And our institutions are feeling enormous pressure. And it will take all of us far past Election Day um, participating to to get them in healthy working order again. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me today, to speak with the audience. Give us encouragement, words of wisdom, and just the opportunity to speak about some difficult things that that aren't comfortable, but give us the space to do that. So thank you both for spending the time with me and for the work you do. I truly appreciate it. 
Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you again next time. That's our show. Before I let you go, I have some business that I need to get to. First, I want to thank my guests. I am continually awed at your generosity of spirit and the vulnerability that you continue to bring to our conversations. To you, my audience, you are incredible. Thank you for growing with me, and I hope that I continue to exceed your expectations. And to my team that helps me pull this off every single week. To our composer, Star Diva, who is amazingly talented. To Alan Bruckner, our graphic designer. Thank you for taking my crazy ideas and giving it life. To Savannah Boster, our social media manager. You do this so much better than I ever could. And last, but certainly not least, our producer, my number one son, Gavin Agan. Thank you for supporting your mom with her dream. I couldn't do this without you, kid. Please follow us on our socials at Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at arena underscore women. See you next week. so grateful for each and every one of you and your unwavering support and your continued belief in this movement that has become much bigger than me, much bigger than just a podcast. It has become this forward momentum that we are all doing together. If you are ready or you know somebody that is, that is ready to tell your story and share your value with the world, please connect with me. You can reach me at audra at womeninthearena.net. I am so honored and thankful that you will share your story with me, and I'll make sure that it is well taken care of. I will never stop thanking each and every one of you, and I cannot wait to talk to you again next week as we share another woman's story and we celebrate her doing extraordinary things in plain sight. We'll see you next time. Thank you.